Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking to some very incredible powerhouses in the leadership sector. And we're talking about not only how can we be better leaders, but some of the things that make each of these people truly unique and special as leaders in their own environment. And I'm so excited to talk to my guest today. We've had a chance to chat before, so I know so much about what uh, really drives her and what other people think and, and say about her as a leader, which are all good. Don't worry about it. But uh, we're also going to talk about some of her passion projects. So it's, uh, I think, something that if you really listen to what drives her and what makes her passionate about what she does, you're going to find something that really will probably surprise you. And let me tell you why. So Kira Dilly is Vice President of Marketing for Frito-Lay North America. Now, here's what I love. So that sounds impressive enough, right? But she is responsible for something very unique, the company's ever-evolving portfolio of what they call transform brands. And those are things like Stacy's Pita Chips, Sun Chips, one of my favorites, Popcorners, Off the Eaten Path, Veggie Crisps and Puffs, and the Baked Simply portfolio of snacks, which are absolutely incredible, and I love them for my grandkids. Now, why is this so important in a company like Frito-Lay? Well, this is important in many reasons, but more and more consumers are looking for nutritious snacks that, you know, are also fit that need of their life wherever they are. And uh, she directly oversees Frito-Lay's growth and innovation strategy that addresses this very particular need ensuring that consumers consistently have access to an array of options that fit their lifestyle. And if you think about the products we talked about, they are products that are really transforming the snack world as we know it. She's also a seasoned veteran with more than 20 years of industry experience, and she was most recently recognized as 2020 Media Post Marketing All-Star. Now, Here's what I really, really love. And if you follow her on LinkedIn at all, you will know, you will have seen some amazing things. Her greatest passion is furthering the economic empowerment of women around the globe. She's not only a mentor and a coach to several people just on her team now and in the past, but she also leads PepsiCo's support of female professional development. And in particular, she has led the acclaimed Stacy's Rise Project, which is a flagship grant and mentorship program. And it's from the female-founded Stacy's brand. And this is so amazing. It awards up-and-coming female entrepreneurs with hundreds of thousands of dollars in business grants, providing them with unprecedented access to PepsiCo people and resources in order to achieve long-term success. And again, if you follow her on LinkedIn and have seen any of her posts over the past months uh, where they were highlighting some of these women, every story I stopped to read because they were so phenomenal. And I am so proud to have her here with me today. So Kira, thank you so much for joining us. Not at all. It's my pleasure, Michael. Thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful introduction. I want to meet that woman. She sounds amazing. So I need you to, I need you to do my, my walk-up call every time I, I appear on stage. Thank you. I, 
I will gladly do that. Just, just let me know when the Frito-Lay <laughs> corporate jet's coming to pick me up. I'll be right there. <laughs> and I know that, you know, you've also worked for some other incredible brands. Uh, you know, uh, Kellogg is one. I know you've worked for uh, Campbell's. So you, I mean, you work with worldwide known brands, but you've also got this real incredible passion in terms of, you know, creating opportunities for people, uh, you know, across our socioeconomic status to not only have access to healthy food, but access to abilities to grow their businesses, especially for women. So uh, what, what makes this such a passion project for you? Both those elements, I'm kind of throwing both of them at you at once. You can pick up and hit which other one you like the best. Yes, no, I love that question, Michael. And actually, I'll, I'll start by reflecting a little bit on how did I end up here? Because it's a question a lot of people ask me, particularly with the Irish accents that you will hear get stronger as I get more animated through our conversation today. <laughs> I actually did law and German at college, so I had no interest whatsoever in going into the business world. I was telling one of my sons this weekend that I wanted to be a criminal justice lawyer defending particularly women who were in, in abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. And I realized that was going to be a tough, emotionally challenging career. So I made a total you know, left turn and ended up starting with Diageo in, in the marketing department. And I had no clue what marketing was going in there. <laughs> Sounds like a great company, they make beer. I'm in my twenties, my friends thought this was the best job ever. But it was an amazing grounding in marketing and brand marketing and what it means to build amazing brands and more importantly how you build brands that make a difference in someone's life versus mm -hmm. just trying to sell a product the Azure was world class in that regard and I had the very huge fortune of moving to one or two other companies that were also stellar in that area Campbell's and you mentioned Kellogg and it was during my time at Kellogg I headed up the innovation team for Europe that I started to get interested in this idea of wellness and how food companies could be more responsible to support consumers on that journey. And consumers were getting interested in, how can I eat a little bit better? I'm becoming more educated, more aware. Maybe I'm having children, what should I be giving them? Mm -hmm. And I, I really woke up to that as an ability, as a food company, as an ability to make a difference. And it was also during my time in Kellogg though, and probably, getting a little bit more senior, you were getting invited to act more as a leader, to you know, lead the way for doing things like supporting diversity, like, um, like leadership, like coaching, mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I got involved, I started to get very heavily involved in supporting women, initially through mentoring, coaching. I had a team of 10 and everyone was a woman. I was the joke, you know, the, guys, the guys and gals would tease me in the department going, how come you will have women on your team? I went, I don't know, I just hire the best. <laughs> And this is what my team looks like. No apology. There you go. So they were a wonderful inspiration to me and still are great friends now. And I started to get more actively involved and use my role, my seniority to actually come out there and talk more about what could we be doing more proactively in this space. Mm -hmm. And Kellogg were great supporters of that. And when I moved to Pepsi in New York, about six years ago now, that was the first thing I did. I started knocking on doors in our corporate head office going, hi, it's me. How do I get involved in this area? And we can talk a little bit more as we go along about the different things that that has evolved into. But your question around, you know, how does how did I do that? And then the business angle. And I think you, along the way, I was doing both. I was developing new products. I was innovating. I was selling products and I was supporting women. And slowly but surely, as I took on that role in New York, the two started to come together. 
And a lot of it was because around that time, I was doing a lot of self-development about how I could be a better leader and what leadership skills did I have that made me unique and uniquely placed for our company. And this idea of purpose was just really starting to come on the radar. And for me, purpose is just what you said in the question, Michael. It's the blurging of what do you do functionally and what do you like to do and what are you good at doing from a business perspective? And I love selling healthier food. I love um, the whole area of wellness and how I can do that with my job. And I love supporting women. So no mm. surprise, they started to come together. And I started to meet a lot of founders and startups. As we looked at the wellness world and amazing companies. And I realized there are a lot of women in that space and women who are struggling a little bit more than their male counterparts, very similar to corporate America. And that's mm -hmm. how the two started to weave their way together. I, I love that on so many levels. I was thinking first, I took a lot of notes. One of the things that you were talking about is, is really something I firmly believe in. As, as a leader, the more senior you get, the more responsible you, know, you get, the more responsibilities on your shoulder, the more responsibility you have to help others, you know, yes. to make a difference and to reach back and, and help some along, someone along the way. And, but also this element of, you know, what is your driving passion? And as you were talking about that, I was thinking about um, somebody, I will not name who this person is, but somebody I know very well, who uh, has a very, very senior position and is constantly unhappy. And I remember having a conversation with this person and I said, why are you so unhappy? I mean, it's, you never know what goes on behind anybody else's four walls, but you know, from the outside, you have this great job and you have a, you have a great team, you're having great success. What is it that you're not happy about? And I was really trying to get to the point of where's your passion in this? Because if you're showing up every day and you're not happy, it's going to clearly register with people around you. So yeah. figure out what you can do to be passionate or else get out of there, you know, find, find out how this you know, is going to work for you where you are or find someplace else, but you better ask yourself the question, how do I get that spark in me? And I love the fact that you were just like, I'm pretty much brand new to Pepsi and I'm now knocking on the doors going, Hey, <laughs> Hey. hey, I'm here. I'm going to help. How do I help? And, you know, it's, as a woman, Michael, it's interesting because, you know, I, you often get the questions as a working mother. How do you mm. feel about leaving your children at home? How do you feel about that responsibility? And I always say, I, I have no issue with that at all. I love going to work and I am my best self and my best, I'm a better mother in the, in the work I do. But I do say that the difference the children make is that when I leave the house, I want to be leaving to do something I love to do and where I'm making a meaningful difference because it's not a it's not a trade off in my mind every day, but subliminally it's probably there. You know, I want to make them proud and I want to be a role model for them. And I think when you talk about, you know, your friend, you talk about how do you find that? It isn't something you find overnight. So when you see these gurus talking about purpose and you think, well, maybe if I go to sleep with my angel cards under the pillow, which I do sometimes, by the way, I'm a big believer in the angels. And then I wake up the next morning and it's like, ta-da, your purpose is here. That doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. It is yeah. a longer journey. But I always tell my teams, because purpose is a big thing we talk about all the time with everybody on, on team, man, woman, everybody is what are you good at doing? You know, where are your functional skills that you're good at doing? And we're not, none of us are good at everything, but there's certain things we're good at. And what do you love doing? 
And how can those two things come together to make you incredibly rewarded and happier what you do, but you deliver the best work of your life? And the mm. icing on the cake, Michael, is when I call it the trifecta, when the third element is where those things come together and can make a difference in the world. And you feel like you're harnessing your, your energy and your resources to really make a difference and to make life better for people. That's pretty magical. Yeah. And what happens with that is, yeah, you may have that trifecta and you've got that circle going that feeds itself, but that also rubs off on the people that you lead and the people around you. So they want to be a part of that, that positivity and that makes them stronger and makes them want to work harder. And it just, it's like a whirlwind that, yes. you know, or even a tornado that, but not with destruction. It's one that pulls, pulls people in and gains more power. And that's what I finally said to my friend, as I said, you know, the, the fact that you are not happy is impacting your team. I don't care what your results are, but I bet you a million dollars that if I called up five people that work for you, they would be stressed out because yeah. they know you are. And eventually this friend of mine um, made the decision to move companies. And, and it was the best decision that person made because the new, not because sometimes you, sometimes leaving is right. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. For this person, it was because they were so mentally stuck in where they were before that they couldn't get themselves out of it in that company. And moving somewhere else was a fresh start. And a fresh start, you know, really got them back to what they were passionate about, which was training and developing people. And, and that's, you know, I think when you, like you said, when you pull all those things that you're good at, that you really love together, you have amazing results, but you have, you have results that you probably couldn't even dream of because you start thinking and you gain that positivity around you and people are drawn to that. Yes. And I, I think that's both for the job I do in selling chips. Like I have sales targets. I need to sell, you know, an amount of chips and grow share, et cetera, every year. But I find that that work benefits just as much as maybe more of the societal work benefits because the two which I think is a huge movement nowadays. And it's very exciting that the two can come together synergistically. You know, we can, we can make money in businesses and we can do real good in the world. And indeed, we find more than ever consumers are saying to us, you, you need to do it. You large corporations, whether you're a financial or a CPG or whatever, because you have the resources, both the financial, but also the people, the people power, the brain power to actually be able to do good and to set an example for others. And, you know, I do a lot of work as well, Michael, in sustainability. And, you know, we're doing a lot of progressive work. Well, you know, the time is now to be doing it. And we're humble in that we're not, we're saying, we need to do this and we need to accelerate it. But in that area, large organizations can make a massive difference in pushing forward with the change that needs to be seen and, and being seen as, you know, educators and communicators in that area. So I think it, it is the two can exist very well synergistically and, um, and, and we all benefit from that. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. And I also know after we talked the first time when we had a nice talk, just getting to know each other. And we were talking about the baked simply brand and I was excited because my grandkids love it. I mean, so, I mean, you just have all these, what a great way to like get them to enjoy, you know, a snack, but it's really good for them. But since you and I spoke, I mean, I see it, I see them everywhere, oh, good. Um, you know, and you know, you're looking for it because by that time, cause you kind of recognize it, but I see them everywhere. And it, to me is really exciting because it you are obviously having impact in terms of, of where they're showing up, but that couldn't have happened 
easily or overnight easy either to get start getting people to recognize, you know, something that is still a snack food in terms of packaging and, you know, the ownership, but it's something that's truly healthy. How do you get people to find that, um, embrace something that they haven't seen in, in all their spaces before? Yes. And I'm thrilled you're seeing them, Michael. There's, so there's a line called Baked and there's a line called Simply. And Baked has been around a long, long time. Actually, Cindy Crawford was in one of our first TV ads, but we don't use it. Unfortunately, we can't afford Cindy anymore. <laughs> we, we have, there's still small little brands, the scheme mm -hmm. of the world versus the Cheetos, Doritos, et cetera. But I think the difference is that one is, I think we're treating them as brands that are just a little bit of a better choice for you. We're not trying to say we're saving the world. We're not trying to mm -hmm. say, you know, that they are the only thing you should eat, but just a little step in the right direction. And, at the, at, and we're embracing that with beautiful, fun, visuals, packaging, brightness, you know, lovely digital ads, social media. And we're saying, you know, eating a little bit better doesn't have to be terrible. It doesn't have to right. be painful. can actually bring you the joy that many other snacks can bring. But at the same time, being very humble about what it is and isn't. The other, I think, inflection point, though, is that consumers are becoming more and more interested in this area, genuinely more interested. And it can be for many different reasons, like I want to lose some weight or I'm going through a certain life phase and I find out I just want to eat differently or yeah. I want to boost my particularly over the last 18 months. I want to boost my immunity. I want to feel yes. Um, I want to strengthen my defenses against maybe things like a pandemic that can come. I want to set a good example for my children or my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. So it, we're seeing that it's very interesting as consumers get more engaged in this area and we bring more fun and joy to these brands and bring some new brands out there that the two are really coming together. And hence, as you say, customers are now going, oh, we need to have more of these better choice snacks out there. So Traditionally, mm -hmm. nobody knocked at my door to say, come along, Kira, and present to Walmart. And now they're all knocking on my door to say, <laughs> come along and tell us about these, you know, yummy, delicious, still a little bit more permissible snacks. So it's an exciting time, Michael, for that industry. And I think yeah. we see more and more of it. But we're, and we're, we're always trying, believe you me, we don't sit on our laurels. We're always trying to go, what more could I be doing to make this better? How could I make it more understandable for consumers how can I make it more affordable like Michael you and I talked about this yeah. before a lot of consumers still don't know about these snacks they don't know what constitutes a little bit healthier they yeah. can't afford them they're not in the stores that they go into so that's a huge passion for me as we talked before Michael is how can I make sure that these permissible snacks are available for everyone, are affordable for everybody, yeah. and are a joy for everyone. Because if I only have so much money in my pocket, I'm not going to take a risk in buying something for me or my children that somebody mightn't like. So I need mm -hmm. to make sure it tastes fantastic, delicious, and it's worth the money you have. So that's a very interesting dynamic we're seeing, particularly as we come through the pandemic and so many people have been economically disadvantaged because of it. What can we do in a little way, in a tiny, humble little way, just to provide a little bit more joy, but make sure that they are a little bit smarter and snacks as well. Yes, I, I agree. And I think it's a brilliant way to look at it. And I know we're going to take a quick break in just a minute. Before that, I just wanted to ask you, you know, this whole, um, the grants and the, you know, recognition the rise, of these the rise women. Yeah. So as being a part of this, what have you learned most of all from these women, these incredible women, their stories are fantastic. 
I would say they're the most resilient, hardworking, smart change makers I've ever met. And I use those words very intentionally because you don't set up your own business unless you've got guts and courage, unless you've got a level of smart that, you know, you have a good idea and you want to bring it to life. But it's a tough road, as you, Michael, knows. Being an entrepreneur, having your own business is not an easy path. Hence why I haven't done it, by the way. I, am, I haven't been brave enough to do it. But they are so resilient and they believe so strongly in their businesses that they will work it through, you know, come through thick and thin to make it happen. And, and we can talk a lot more about this after the break. But the final point I would say is they are change makers because... Mm. You know, Melinda Gates speaks so beautifully in her book, The Moment of Lift, around when women rise, we all rise. And when women found companies, they give back, whether they give back through the people that they employ or the communities that they support or the environmental messages or the humanitarian causes that they give to. It's incredible, Michael. Every I could almost tell you now, almost every single female founder I've ever met is doing something positive with their business and their voice. And the ripple effect is just incredible. So that's what, that, that just inspires me every time I meet them. I do. And I, I just love, like I said, watching all the stories and just not only being inspired, but recognizing to your point, it is very hard. And some of these women, you know, have had really, I mean, breaking into a lot of businesses are, are tough. Anyone who tries to break in the food industry is, you know, that's a really tough one but they've done it. They've gotten recognized. And from that, been able to not only have some financial benefit from it, but access to people that, that will help them. So we will talk a little bit more about that. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with Kira Deli and uh, we are talking about just last thoughts about, you know, this, this RISE project. Is, it's, it is to me very inspiring because I think that a lot of people, especially in the last year, uh, year and a half uh, during a pandemic, especially if somebody was an entrepreneur and their business was maybe not as strong as they'd like it to be or yet, because sometimes you're just not there yet. It hit a lot of people hard. Uh, so to find people still being able to access resources like this must've been even more, not only inspiring for you, but very, very needed for them. I'm assuming that in some cases, this probably kept some of these businesses afloat. It kept the lights on, Michael. That's exactly what it did. And you know, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, the she session, but it is, um, it's heartbreaking in a way, but women have suffered much more through the pandemic um, because often they mm -hmm. had to take on the burden of care, whether that was, you know, childcare with virtual learning, whether that was taking care of families, you know, whether that was often people, families quarantining together and staying together to keep safe, but so they could keep close to their loved ones women took on that burden. A lot of the jobs that have been lost have been care jobs, have been hospitality roles, have been 
you know, roles in the domestic cleaning sector, and they are traditionally taken by women. So it has had a dramatic impact on the role of women in the workplace, and unfortunately, statistically has set us back. However, we like to think glass half full, and what it's also done is empowered so many more amazing women to take um, the power into their own hands. And I've never heard of so many women saying, I've taken a career, um, a new career. I've decided to go and try something different. I've always wanted to do this. This has given me the impetus to go do it. Or indeed, the many, many more, hundreds of thousands of women, Michael, like hundreds of thousands, yeah. who are setting up their own businesses each and every day, particularly women of color. And I am excited to say that one thing I have seen, because obviously we're very invested in this space and we partner with a lot of great people who know more about it than we do and who educate and help us. But there has been a, an overwhelming amount of financial support poured into this area, mm. which is fantastic, uh, particularly for women of colour, given what we saw last summer and the resurgence of racial tension, etc. And justly so, it, it needs to be that way. And we've just been so heartened by what we've seen happen, whether it's with our partners, Hello Alice, who've raised millions of dollars to support mm -hmm. minority founders, whether it's to the Stacey's Rise Project, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, this year we just launched the applications for this year's program. And last year we had, I think it was about 1,500 applications in total, which was a big number for us mm -hmm. because it takes time to fill in the form and to get to know about it, et cetera. We've almost 5,000 applications in two weeks alone this year. And wow. over 45% of them are African-American women and even higher women of color. So we just couldn't be more excited about mm. the standard of applications and who we're getting to and who's hearing about it. But And one of the things we do, Michael, is even beyond the RISE project, we try and support through knowledge sharing. Where can you go get funding? You know, here are the resources. Yes. So we, have, we work closely with, I mentioned Hello Alice, who has an amazing online platform. This is, and they tell you everything. Here's a local support group. Here's how you go do this. Here's how you find this. Here's how you find a mentor. Here's how you find financial support. Because to your point, these many of these businesses, you know, it's not like they're looking for huge amounts of money. They're mm -hmm. literally looking for money to pay the rent for two or three months or to pay yes. their one or two employees, as we said, to keep the lights on. And if we can provide that and give them the hope and support, that it's incredible. And the other thing we've done is we've also not only given financial you know to cash support but we've also started to um introduce them to ways of selling more of their product last year we partnered with amazon and we had a whole platform that said if you want to support female founders here you go there here you go online this is this is how to find them this year we've got a platform called um, the founder find her and it's all about we're building literally hundreds hopefully thousands of women to go online, register their business, and we will help drive support to the website so that they feel like they're, you know, they're commercially viable. They're selling their product to you and me who want to support. So I keep saying now, right. everything I buy, birthday gifts, holiday gifts, all comes from female founders, which is exciting. So you're not just handing them cash, but you're also giving them revenue for longer term sustainability, which I think is so important. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because uh, if people know about you, you have a greater chance of actually being successful. So the grants help and yes. absolutely make a difference. And uh, but the next level is okay, that's great. But now I need longer term security, which means more people need to know who we are, what we're doing, and need to find it interesting enough to not only support us right now, but in the future. Yes. Yeah. And we try and introduce them to like a lot of our webinars are around how do I 
list with Amazon? How do I get into customers like Walmart and Target? How do I deal with food service? You know, a lot we try. How do I advertise with limited budget? How do I use social media? So a lot of what we're trying to do is pass on our resources or, you know, give them the support of our partners like Amazon or Walmart to coach them and guide them because it's for many people it's a whole, whole new world when you set up a business you don't think about these things and you don't think about how do I sell to Walmart I'm not sure about that so we try and provide them with really practical support for long-term sustainability yeah and that whole uh, how do you sell to Walmart is a huge issue <laughs> that there's a lot of steps involved there <laughs> yeah but you know what's so exciting Michael in this sort of new economy is that for example the Walmart one one of our buyers, Vanessa, she's a lovely Australian lady. She gave her time to do a webinar with our founders on exactly that. She's a buyer in Walmart. And she said, okay, here's what you need to know. Here's the 101. This is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. This is what you say, this is what you don't say. So it's incredible how many people in industry are willing to give back and give their time to support our founders as well. It's, it's really heartening. Yeah, that's, I love it. Well, I know um, I want to ask you, you know, just from all of your experience and you've led teams of all sizes and, you know, this month I'm focusing on, you know, how can we each be better leaders? Because we know that, yes, things are getting back to, you know, I'm not going to say normal because, you know, what is normal, but we're getting back to economies that are running and people getting back to offices and some working still remotely and some working in hybrids. But regardless through it all, our leaders all over the world um, have been hit hard by how do I manage in this ever-changing and navigating, you know, navigating this uh, ever-changing system? You know, what are some of the top tips you have for leaders to help them not only, you know, keep focused on being great leaders, but maybe even be more resilient because we know if there's one thing we, we can count on, it's change. Yes, yes. And you know, Michael, previously I probably would have said your the principles are the same, but I think maybe 80% of them are the same. And as you say, we can't, I hope we come through this with some enhanced learning as well, because when you go through something as terrible as this is, whether you've lost directly or not, you definitely want to feel there's a brighter future ahead. So I'd say some of the key principles that I try and keep in mind is, you know, this word is, yes, it's used a lot, but it's so true, authenticity. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're not yourself, like the example you gave about your friend, if you're not turning up being you and the best of you each and every day, that's not going to feel great. So mm -hmm. I would I would embrace your individuality and I would embrace your differences because thank goodness more and more we're looking for diversity, not just in gender and color and background, but just in how you think and how you bring mm -hmm. yourself through and how you approach a problem versus somebody else. So I think that that authenticity is incredibly important. I think as well, the point we talked earlier about, you know, finding your purpose, knowing your strengths, knowing what drives you, bringing that to the workplace has never been more important because that's what makes you unique. And that's the angle you can bring that nobody else can. And that can help strengthen your business. Mm. I do think one of the biggest things in terms of how I have evolved my leadership style in the last year, 18 months, is definitely the idea of agility and I call it progress over perfection I mean uh -huh. they were two concepts that I had very much you know been working with for a number of years but oh my goodness has it ever come to light in the last 18 months where you realize you know in the in the context of a world that is changing every single day 
in a context of a work environment that you or I never envisaged. Like we could, if somebody had told us 18 months ago, this would happen, we'd be like, we won't be able to function. Our business will shut down. And it didn't. So the idea of, you know, nothing will ever be perfect. Nothing will ever be the same each and every day. But how do you, within that then, how do you accept that? And how do you accept that, you know, I can make progress and I can make great decisions. And sometimes I don't need to know all the data and I don't have to all the right, have the right answers. So I think that idea of, you know, perfection is not your friend has become stronger than ever. And I love it, by the way, I'm more than happy working in the 80-20 world because I make a lot more decisions and I move yeah. a lot more forward. And I think, you know, we have a good sense now as to what's right and wrong. And the point about agility, I think, is really important and exciting because that's where the energy and the inspiration comes. And that's the part I try and bring to my team is, you know, mm-hmm. you can make such a difference with the resources you have and the brands you have and the things you can do in this ever-changing world, whether it's online and social media and influencers. Oh, my gosh, there's so many things and we have so many resources, access to incredible partners and companies and incubators. Go and have some fun. Go and experiment. Because having come through what we've come through, we know how resilient we are and how strong our business is. So go experiment and have some fun and, and let that, you know, let that agility run loose would be my one of my biggest learnings, I think, having come and one of my maybe my the th- one of the things that I've added to my little leadership folder as I go forward. I agree. I love I love that. Um and I love the progress versus perfection because you know, when we, I think one of the things we realized, especially in the first few months of lockdown long, long ago, I'm going to say so far away was that we had to be more accepting of everybody's faults. You got to see the cats running through and the kids running through and the people who forgot to put pants on. So they'd have shorts with their jackets on, you know, I mean, all those things. And now I think as we're coming out of it, it's not that we want to be lazy Um, But that we have to realize that there was actually kind of a sigh of relief of, okay, all right, I'm not going to get fired because my kid ran through because my boss's kid just ran through. (laughs) Now, when I go back to the office, am I still willing to, you know, tap into who I am and, and use that to say, okay, maybe I'm not going to be so hard on myself or my colleague or the other person in the other department. Maybe I'm going to have more conversations that are about how can we continue to improve or move forward together? Exactly, exactly. I, I think, as you say, it's almost let's not lose this because there's yeah. something quite magical and, and the authenticity is there and the be yourself is there and the bring your best self is there. And also the warts and all as whoever runs around in the background. And <laughs> so I, I hope, I hope fervently that we don't. And we just announced a new uh, Work That Works program, which is all about that. It's all about flexibility and what works for you. But how do we you know, make sure that we continue to, um, the things that we've missed, the social interaction, maybe some of the creativity that's harder to get. So how do we get the best mix that works yeah. for you and your lifestyle brings out your best and, and helps us all to grow? I love it. I love it. That's what I try and do with my team. I'm like, I don't care what time now it's different with me, with my team, but I'm like, I don't care what time you work, work when you work best, as long as we hit our targets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah that, and that's okay as well. You know, we all have pay, bills to pay at the end of the day. That's okay as well. Yeah, I love it. Oh, Kara, thank you so much. I know we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to like, you know, not creepy stalk you, but they want to find out a little bit more about you. Where's the best place you want them to find you? 
LinkedIn, Michael, that's the best one for me. I, I use it the most. I use it and Instagram a little bit, but LinkedIn is probably the best and I'm more than happy for any of your listeners to reach out and connect. I love it. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? I mean, I think for me, I'd say absolutely pursue what you love to do because you will be at your best when you do what you love and seek to make an impact with what you do whether that's to one person or to many people, whether that's to people that you directly work with or those that just know you through your social media forums, et cetera. Take those opportunities because if if the reward you will get, the personal reward when you make a difference in someone's life is pretty incredible. So I would encourage encourage people to, to use their influence and use their magic and use their resources to think about how you can make a difference. I love it. Thank you so much for not only being a guest here today, but sharing all your wisdom. It has been an absolute pleasure to be able to, you know, get into that brain a little bit more of yours. Thank you so much, Michael. Absolute pleasure for me as well. And look forward to connecting very soon. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.